1: Son of Slovenia, cool as hell. He scores the ball and he rebounds well. Don't fight the future, here comes Luca. Even losses feel like wins. When you with your good friend Tim, it's 77 minutes in heaven. Hello. This is seventy-seven minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network, the only Mavericks podcast to get the final seconds right every time, perfect execution. I'm Tim Cato. I write and talk about the Mavericks. We've got Bobby Corrala, who has written, often speaks about the Mavericks. He's of Mavs.com, of the Mavs Jumbotron. I like to think of the uh, the Mavs Jumbotron being your primary employer.
0: I'm of the Jumbotron. That? I do yeah. like that a lot. I'm just yeah. off the Jumbotron now. I got to say, Tim... Uh, the we Jumbotron's seven... Bobby Corolla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm of the Jumbotron. Uh, we had 77 Minutes as Austin Garuya on a trade deadline special on our YouTube channel last week. What were you doing the day of the trade deadline?
1: Mm, I was flying between Los Angeles and Sacramento. Well, that night I did. During the day, I was uh, typing away on my... Uh, little MacBook.
0: Oh, you had a day off in LA and you were working?
1: That's how this job works. Hmm. It's not as glamorous as it sounds now, you oh, know, when okay. you put it in those terms. Okay. Yeah. I nor was it. I invited. Nor 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 <laughs> did anyone even check in and say hi Tim. You're probably not around. But if you were, we'd love to have you on. Well I hate for that to come out this way. Wow. Sorry. Yeah, shots at Katia already. You know we're going to talk about um, the game that I saw in LA, the game, the two games that I saw in Sacramento and the game that we saw last night. The Mavericks have not won with Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving on the court together. Is it crisis? Can we overreact? Is this straight a failure? Oh my God. Everything is going, they meant, you know, at this rate, you know, the stats say they're never going to win again.
0: They're winless. That's how, just many, math. how many minutes from midnight are we, man? Is that like 1158 right now? What's the deal? Oh man. Yeah. No, the, uh, the doomsday clock is, uh, is it's ticking past. And you know
1: what the do, you know, you know how like, uh, your car clock, the clock in your car always like usually gets a few minutes ahead. The doomsday clock. Maybe it's got a few minutes behind. Maybe we're past it. Ooh. Maybe doomsday has happened.
0: Ooh. Well, they yeah. are in Denver right now. So we're like an hour behind or ahead. Oh boy. Yeah. Either way. There's a, there's a whole lot to take in all at once.
1: Well, despite the Mavericks just statistically never winning again. What do you think about the first two games? We've had two games where Carrie Irving has been exactly the player we thought we we're, you know, the team was getting on the court. We've had uh two games of Luca not quite being his sharpest version of self, but hey man, he just came back from injury. Not too worried about that. What do you make of it? Do you have do you have one big takeaway?
0: Um I guess the biggest takeaway is that it looks like you have two really, really 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 individually talented players playing together for the first time without practicing together at all that's just kind of what it looks like Kyrie was and and still has been really good even in the two games when Lucas come back but those first two games he was just so good but everything that they were doing was so simple and that's still been the case in the in the last two games too but basically it seems like their direction for him was just Go out and just like play basketball, like run a pick and roll or ISO or look for cutters. Like don't do any thinking like let's just go out and play. We'll figure out the hard stuff later. But once Luka comes back, it is a little different. Things inevitably change. You know, you're not really like the point guard anymore. You're the off guard. You're the Jalen Brunson. Uh, And in the first half against the Wolves, he had what, like seven or eight shots. Like wasn't super duper involved. It was a lot of Luka. And so it feels like they're both kind of feeling each other out. Uh, the last play is the perfect encapsulation of that. Like and they're both really good and they both want it, but they just, they, they haven't figured it out yet.
1: It's actually mild progress that they ran a play that I thought made a lot of sense if they had executed the pass correctly. I think it would have made a lot more sense to put Josh Green on the inbounds and Christian Wood in the corner um, rather than Theo Penso, Pinson inbounding and, and Green uh, spacing but
0: I agree with Joe as the, as the trigger man for sure.
1: Yeah. And probably what happens there is a quick two from Luca. If if he's able to make that catch, he probably spins off it with a, uh, with an open, you know, with the paint wide open, but it also sets up really well, you know, the shot that Kyrie is most famous for one that he's already hit in a Mavericks uniform, basically drifting right towards the sideline uh, behind the arc. Uh, I like the play design. It's way better than a, uh, the one play that they've been running uh, in the final seconds, pretty much all season, and it did not work. And, but I think I think that's going to get better.
0: Oh yeah, that that play that they ran for Luca—they've run that once or twice before. Usually, they'll do it like really late in the quarter, or like if they have two seconds on the shot clock or whatever. They've run it a couple times. A team ran it against them earlier in the year, and I do not remember who it was. I can't remember off the top of my head. But ever since then, they have run it a little bit. And uh, you knew that the Wolves knew what was coming, like I knew what was coming. <laughs> and if I know, then the other teams' coaches know for sure. And so now you're gonna have to try and figure out like a wrinkle, what happens if they're overplaying that pass? Can you then have Lucas screen for Kyrie? Or like, there's gonna be some sort of uh, tentacle coming off that play, uh, but yeah, they'll figure it out. Again, that's a perfect encapsulation too. Like what happens now that they know your set play? Now you can actually get creative and figure out Luka and Kyrie, but they have to be able to practice together in order to figure that stuff out first.
1: Yeah. And again, I'm not vindicating them. This this late game stuff has been an issue all season, but uh Jada McDaniels is a just cheat code of a defender. And the combination of him and uh Anthony Edwards, just sensational defense in those in those last uh 14 seconds. So you talked about them keeping it simple. Uh I want to go there. And the idea that the Mavericks, you know, in the two games that Irving played, even the game before that, before he suited up. This team did look a little bit different. I think some of that was them running fairly simple stuff that opponents were not scouted for, were not prepared for. But the Mavericks had more passes. That's something that uh, I saw you tweet about. They really made an emphasis of of running offense through the elbows, through the big men at the elbows. Um, I thought in Monday's game, you saw an early emphasis to get uh, horn sets or basically big, you know, two players at the elbow, two players in the corners and run some action out of there. But Minnesota was much better prepared for that. Uh, Gobert especially was doing a good job pushing whoever the big man out. Uh, whoever the big man was, he was pushing him out past the three-point line. And that just really mucks up and bogs down what you're trying to do with the ball in that player's hands. Because ultimately, Dwight Powell holding the ball, if you get it into him, you're looking for him to quickly release it to you know the, the player that is gaining a marginal advantage of space. And if Dwight Powell is just hanging on to the ball for five, 10 seconds, or if you're not able to get it into him until about 12 seconds, 10 seconds left on the shot clock, that's when that stuff stops working and stops looking, you know, fun and fluid and, and enjoyable. Like it did the first couple of games. What did, what, what have you seen on that end? Uh, you know, kind of, kind of take it from here. Uh, what has been interesting to you? And, and I guess more broadly, like what are some ideas of, of what Irving and Doncic together, you know, how, how do you best use those two?
0: Yeah, so I'll start at the beginning. So Kyrie's games without Luca, they were running stuff that they haven't run in a very, very, very long, like in the kid era, since pre-Luka. Like they were running like the pinch posts days. off for Kyrie. Yeah, well, no, I'm I'm talking like Monte Ellis, oh. man. I mean, they were running Kyrie off of like pin downs, zippers, pinch posts, things like that, creative ways to get him the ball, and the the important the important distinction between how they're using Kyrie and how they use Luca is one guy brings the ball up the floor. The other doesn't Kyrie is like the off guard. Uh, he's Monte. He's Jason Terry. He's Dirk. You have to find a way to get that guy, the ball. And they just don't run off ball stuff with Luca on the floor, or they haven't really throughout his entire career. I mean, maybe his rookie or a little bit like for Harrison Barnes or something, but for the most part, it's been Luca, bring the ball down the floor or Someone else is going to bring the ball down the floor and very early in the shot clock get it to you And then we're gonna run a spread pick and roll or your Spain stuff or whatever like the, it is going to be Luca at the point of attack But now with Kyrie you have that other dimension that added dimension of off ball movement Which is something that they've lacked all throughout the the Luca era and that opens up all sorts of different things and elements and things that you Can include in your offense like for example, um, Josh Green has the ball. Dwight Powell is setting a little pin screen for Kyrie. And then Dwight Powell seals his man. And it's an easy dump off pass or Trevail, dump off pass down low for a little hook shot. Like there's so many easy quick hitting plays that you can run out of that. Um Luke is going to have to adjust to that. Like, you got to get the ball down the floor sooner in order for that stuff to work. Right. Like if you're not getting into your offensive set until there's 10 or 12 seconds left on the shot clock, then you are really going to be narrowing down the possibilities of the possession. And that really came to the fore, I feel like, against Minnesota. Because typically you think of Rudy Gobert as like this drop big. He's going to sink way below the action, stay close to the basket, and block all your shots. But Minnesota plays a much more aggressive defense, uh, defense, <laughs> not defense. I guess defense works too. But they they especially play an aggressive defense where their big is going to step out. They're going to build this really high wall and step out beyond the level of the screen or at the level of the screen and put two guys in your face. And if one of those guys, Rudy Gobert, And the other guy is Jaden McDaniels. That's a whole lot of length and limbs in your face. And if Luke is quick enough to get the ball around Gobert, well, you still have to worry about Jaden McDaniels. Or if Kyrie gets around Gobert, you still have to worry about Anthony Edwards. And so you have a lot of length in your face. So your really only option is to try and hit the big man or the screener with these little pocket passes. And that's usually Dwight or JaVale or sometimes Christian Wood. But if you're repeatedly doing that over and over again with seven seconds left on the shot clock, or nine seconds left on the shot clock. And the first pass that those guys can make, that little kick out to the opposite wing, if that's not there, your possession is doomed. You know, you can't do anything. You got to give it to one of those guys and they got to bail you out. And that's where I think the practice time is going to matter a whole lot more because eventually, if teams are going to be blitzing or building a high wall or if they're going to be showing or if they're going to be adding any sort of extra pressure to the ball handler, eventually, that screener is going to be Kyrie or the screener is going to be Luca. And we Um, haven't seen that. Yeah. We haven't seen that at all. We haven't really seen a lot of interplay between those two. And I think that that's something that you have to work on and and you can't just like put Kyrie out there and say, Oh yeah, uh, here's what we do whenever Luca gets blitzed. I'll draw it for you one time on a clipboard and then you got it, man, just go for it. You're going to figure it out. Like it's a little too complicated to just do on the fly like that.
1: Yeah. And despite that, the Mavericks have scored 131 points per 100 possessions with those two on the court. Yeah, not really. You know, that's blisteringly hot. That is, you know, far, far, far above the, the league's best offense. Now, any team that has, you know, in, in lineups that just feature their two best players are going to have numbers that are higher than the league's best offense because, you know, that's the inherent thing about offenses you have to take your best players off the court. All that said, this is still very, very good. It's only 58 minutes. It's a very small sample size. It will probably come down a little bit, but the early early returns on it is that these two together have been sensational and that there's a lot more to unlock, you know, and, and it's interesting, you know, if, if, if Luca does not adapt and, and if Luca is still preferring more of a slow tempo base, um, maybe he only wants to up the tempo early in games and then late in games, you kind of revert back to that spread pick and roll. There's a, there's a lot of stuff you can do. You don't have to change what clearly has been working all season, which is Luka Doncic running pick and rolls. You can just improve it. You can, you can, uh, you know, build off that you can have wrinkles to the offense. And obviously you have to have an offense that best suits Kyrie when Luka's off the court. You know, that's a big part of this too. And that's what we saw in the first two games that he played uh, without Luca being back from injury yet. The idea that, you know, you want to maximize what Irving can do, even if Irving could run any, you know, he can play any sort of way. You can run any sort of offense around him. But what's the one that best suits him? And I think as you start getting into the playoffs and as Jason Kidd talks about, you know, the next two months of the season, the final two months being um, a, what did he, uh, he said, "dress rehearsal. It's a, it's a experiment. It's a, it's a test tube. It's a test lab for being prepared for the playoffs. And when you get to the postseason, one of the best things you could have is flexibility and you can have different looks and you can have different schemes you can revert to. If you run into a matchup where what you do best is neutralized by what they do best, that's what they're building
0: to long-term. Yeah. I mean, the ultimate thing is like, Luca is, I I don't know, people are already like getting like preemptively offended whenever anyone suggests that Luke is going to have to adjust, right? Let me just tell you, he's the best half court basketball player in the NBA. He's one of probably the five best half court basketball players of all time already. Okay. He's incredible, but it's very hard to score in the half court and you can be really, really good in the half court and still score worse. Than teams that score in transition more often than you just because scoring in transition is easier. And so like Luca is capable of solving a Rubik's cube in 15 seconds. But like Kyrie can also turn it off. There's other other teams out here, you know, playing tic-tac-toe. Yeah, yeah, it's like an eight-piece jigsaw puzzle. Like it's way easier. So like the ultimate goal of offense is to score, and so the ultimate goal of your offensive system is to create as many easy, reliable, consistent ways to score as possible that don't require your best player to do superhuman things 100 times per game, and so I think the easiest way for the Mavs to do that is to give Kyrie a little more freedom, run Luca and Kyrie stuff together, whether it's like Spain, okay, instead of it being like Dwight Powell and Tim Hardaway, have it be like... Kyrie and Tim Hardaway what happens then I don't know let's see it let's practice it you know and let's just figure it out so I think that that's the that's the next step is finding the the easy easy simple stuff uh to mix in with the complicated things because you're right you need to be able to play multiple ways right I mean like you know the Mavs still scored really well against the Warriors but it was a lot harder to do than it was against the other teams and the Mavs just kind of ran out of options at the end of that series now defense is another issue but I I will say the the one other thing That is going to be a huge adjustment, um, a huge quality of life improvement, if you will, for the Mavs. Uh, On the other side of the All-Star break is you're going to have two of your five uh, non-Luca, non-Kyrie best players back. Maxi Kleba, Tim Hardaway Jr. They've been out. And so it's been these first two games with it's just Kyrie or it's just Luka out there. They've been surrounded by like Jaden Hardy, Theo Pinson, um, you know, Frank Nilakina, JaVale McGee those guys probably aren't going to play much, if at all, on the other side of the All-Star break. And so you're going to have much more quality players around them as well, which that should make it a little easier too.
1: So we have to talk about the defense. I want to start with a offensive perspective on the defense. If the offense is this good, which it already is in some ways, again, we're talking two games. It will not be this good every single night. Kyrie Irving will not play like he did in the fourth quarter every single night, even if that's something he's going to do fairly often, because that is
0: what Kyrie does they will probably be like a know, top five offense, you think, right? Top top five, maybe top three. Why wouldn't they the be the best? Yeah, I mean, honestly, they might be.
1: Right. But the question is how much... So there are limits to efficiency. There is a ceiling on how good your offense can be. You can be the best offense in the league, but it cannot make up for an inability to slow other teams down, right? And I guess the question is, if the Mavericks are very good right now, probably top five. I, I would agree that, you know, if, if nothing were to change, if they were not to become any more synergetic with each other, they're top five, top three right now. As players start coming back and the Mavs hope is that as these two stars and, you know, the offensive cohesion and the ideas that they're trying to implement take hold, that this is just just about going to be the best offense in the league. None of that fixes what has been a pretty disastrous defensive season. Maxi Kleba coming back does not fix that. He helps, but he does not fix that. Is there something about the offense being this good that will allow the Mavericks to essentially make up ground on the other end? Is there anything that that kind of projects or makes you optimistic that whether it's more defensively focused lineups? And again, there's a defensive talent problem that there's just not, you know, there's not defense only players other than, you know, really Frank Milikina that they can throw out there that would kind of allow this to happen. But maybe that is the answer. You know, maybe Frank Nilikina is in the offense, uh, you know, is in lineups over Jaden Hardy because the offense is so good that they can withstand what, you know, the the uh, the deficiencies that he has on the offensive end. What makes you optimistic that this team is going to be better at
0: stopping other teams from scoring? And optimism is a hell of a drug, Tim. Um, <laughs> I would, I mean... I think it's an old truism, right? Like it's easier to defend and it it is statistically true. It's easier to defend after you've scored. And so if they just make baskets, then they don't have to defend in transition. That's one way because their transition defense, dude, it is, it's rough, you know, when they miss a shot, especially if they miss a shot at the rim, they're giving up baskets like almost every single time the other way. I mean, like, it's like 75, 80% of the time when they miss a shot, the other team is scoring. And it's been that way for like two months now. And it's just, it's really, really, really hard to come back from that. You know, uh, it's just way too many easy shots. And and also, once they get into the half court, I think with Maxi back, he's not going to erase all of your issues. But if you can contain the other team to just half court or mostly half court offense, then Maxie's presence will make it a little tougher for them to score at the rim. But I mean, dude, like last night, Minnesota was not pushing the pace at all. And Anthony Edwards is still getting to the rim whenever he wanted, you know, and and I I don't know what the fix to that is unless you just start basically saying, hey, Christian Wood, Dwight Powell, you know, we try and play it safe with you guys. We try and have you drop JaVale. We try and have you drop, but we're just going to we're going to make you play. We're going to make you double team the ball handler every time. Like, we're going to take you out of what we think you're best at, and we're going to try something new and see if it works. Because At, at the rate that they're allowing guys to get to the rim and at the rate that they're fouling players, uh, you can't do both of those things, right? You can either give up a lot of layups or you can commit a lot of fouls. You can't do both. And right now they're near the bottom of the league in both. And so you have to dial up the aggression or you have to just create a new policy and enact a new law where if you get beat, you put your hands behind your back and, and you you got to stop fouling because they're, they're the number one, I think they're still the number one free throw team in the NBA, or number 30, I guess, depending on your perspective, in terms of free throws per field goal attempt allowed. Just way too many. Just way too I mean, count the and ones last night. Like, it's just brutal, right. and they were beat on all of them. So, like, just stop fouling or try and force more turnovers. Take more chances. You know, that that's really it. Um, you know, I know J. Kidd was kind of, Jay Kid was being a little sassy a few weeks ago. Whenever he said, "Well, it's a, if with if it's with this personnel, there's not much we can do," but there's truth to that statement. You know, the Mavs can't change their team too much anymore. Luca, Tim, Kyrie, Dwight Powell. You know, these are not like elite defensive players. If they're going to be on the floor for 25, 30, 40 minutes a game, you got to take some chances. Um, yeah, I but forgot here's about the... that
1: comment, and they made a big trade, but. The personnel, as it comes to that end, the defensive end, it's
0: it's the same. Yeah, it's kind of insurmountable, you know. And and that's not to like it's less. I'm because, not being a defeatist you know, or not out for, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they got worse on defense after that trade. But here's the thing: their offense is so good that if they they don't need to get that much better on defense, Tim, <laughs> like they don't need to. So you look at the defensive ratings in the in the NBA, the number thirty team, San Antonio Spurs, they allow 120 on the dot. 120 points per 100 possessions. When the Mavs allow at least 120 points per 100 possessions in a game this year, they are 2 and 16. Which means when they play defense better than the worst team in the NBA, they are 29 and 12. They win all That's the time. Stat. Yeah, when they're just it's not the worst. Yeah, it is, dude. It's a banger. I'm, I'm telling you, it's it's uncanny. 117.9 and up, they're. 29 and 12, dude. So like they can play in shootouts. They'll win a lot of shootouts because they're just that good on offense. And also some of what you were be saying, the just, worst.
1: Yeah. Just a second ago, when you're saying it's easier to play defense when you're defending, you know, I think a lot of those games that they were not defending at all, that means they weren't making shots at the end, other end. You know, there is a uh, synergetic effect. There's a better word for that. But, you know, there's a correlation. There's a dual yeah. Correlation. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There is definitely a correlation between those two there, but uh, it's a real thing, like you said.
0: Yeah, here's the here's the. St- I'm waiting for PBP stats to load here so that I can I can tell you the stat. But following a missed field goal against the Mavs this season, teams are scoring 1.23 points per possession, which is tied for dead last in the NBA with Utah. 1.23 points per possession off a missed shot. That's not including turnovers. That's not including anything. That's just straight up. When the Mavs miss a shot, the other team is scoring a two-point shot sixty percent of the time. That's what that means. Um, it's just that's really, really bad. So you 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 have to make your shots, or you have to get dramatically better at transition defense. Um, but based on the the Christian Wood and Luca clips that are <laughs> always circulating Twitter, I'm not sure how much better they'll get at transition defense this season. Uh, so the only solution is to just make more shots and just don't be the worst. That that is the threshold. Just don't be the worst, and you're going to win a lot of games.
1: Yeah, it it almost sounds like a, a madman, you know, a lunatic just ranting to the skies. The defense will be better if the offense is, you know, if we score more points. You know, it 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 almost sounds, you know, counterintuitive. But you're 100 right. You know, getting the Mavericks into half court defensive. You know, their half court shell defense more often is helpful. And to do that, you just put the ball in the basket more often. And, you know, Irving is somebody who's going to give them, uh, you know, they're going to make more shots. They were so three point reliant when they're running Lucas bread pick and roll. Another thing that shifting to the slightly different offensive approach. You know, that's going to give them more two pointers. You know, they're going to shoot more twos. They're going to likely shoot less threes. Still a lot of threes. Don't get me wrong. A lot, a lot, a lot of threes. But, you know, I think the theory is that that Irving obviously is somebody who puts pressure on the rim uh, a little bit less so this season. But he's, you know, he's somebody who takes a lot of shots inside the arc. That's for sure. And he makes more than 50 percent of them. Um, you know, more than, you know, about 50% of his mid range and, and floaters and, you know, obviously a higher percentage at the rim. That's a good thing. You know, that's a good thing because when you're, you know, before the trade, this was the most, uh, you know, this was the team that shot the most, the highest percentage of three-pointers, you know, out of all their offensive possessions, the three-point rate was the highest in the league. And, you know, that was the best approach for this team to score. But it also means that when you rely on threes that much, threes are just inherently, you know, even though you get an additional point, you're going to miss more of them, more, you know, more fast breaks uh, coming back your way off off missed uh, shots and especially missed shots that are going to uh, go long, that are going to carry them, you know, who knows where. And so, yeah, this this does build on each other. And, you know, there is a real argument that you've talked me into, not that this is going to be a top 10 defensive unit. You know, I think that's, the aspiration, but that's a very, very high aspiration based off the talent on this team. That
0: that ain't going to, I mean, they're so far behind April. Now they could be the number one defense after the all-star break. They'll still probably not make the top 10.
1: And I guess, I guess I just mean, you know, what really matters is how they're playing the next two months. Um, I, but again, what they should be aiming for is average, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit above, you know, if they can get there, we're taught, we're asking some serious questions about what they can do in the
0: postseason. Yeah, I mean and they still play to at do such that, a slow pace it's offense first. Yeah. Yeah, sorry to sorry to cut you off, but um, no, good. they play at such a slow pace that if they shave off one or one and a half points from their defensive rating, that's one or one and a half points per game. Basically, I mean the map that's even more than that because the maps play fewer than one hundred possessions per game. So like right now they're one fifteen point one. They're tied for 22nd. If they shave one point off. Then they're tied for 19th. If they shave one and a half point off, they move all the way up to 15th. Like that's extremely doable. We're talking like correct one mistake per game. That's that's it. That is literally all it takes to be a borderline top half, like flirting with the top 10 defense. Um, it's just it's just a matter of can they do it? And and that's gonna take. Everybody, that's Luca. that's Kyrie, that's Wood, that's Hardaway, that's all of the players that aren't the defensive specialists. They're all collectively going to have to get better, too, in order for that to be the case.
1: And this whole thing, everything we just talked about, uh, it makes me feel quite good that this team is going to be very good in the regular season the rest of the way. What it might not do, same as before, is mean that they have a legitimate, you know, tried-and-true method to win multiple playoff series. But... We'll get there there's two months of the season left there's plenty of games we're gonna watch it all that, that's that's a question for later right now they do have, they like do have an easy break.
0: schedule in the back half yeah. of the season two they do have an easy schedule so that's that's pretty good
1: I, I feel pretty good they're gonna go on a pretty dominant run and i think the big question is uh what it means uh headed into mid-april but again we'll get there there's plenty of time to to think about and discuss and, and figure all that out um in the meantime it should be a lot of fun that's for damn sure. On that note, thanks for listening. And here's this for a perfect outro. Perfect final few seconds. We'll see ya. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the the future is Luca, Big Dick Donchich From the home of Melania Trump How many kids you have? Don't fight the future, it tears me apart Don't fight the future, please be nice to Luca. Future four-time MVP Shut it down!
0: Let's go home! It's a wrap, Doug! That is a wrap.